Hey there, party people. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I wanted to take a quick second to let you know about my new and improved free workshop coming to you soon and very soon. That's right. The Ultimate Music Lesson Planning Roadmap is right around the corner, and this time you have four chances to catch the party live. In this workshop, I'll be sharing my proven system for how I plan my lessons week to week and beyond efficiently, effectively, and beating that lesson planning overwhelm once and for all. It all comes down to four planning pillars that are truly the secret sauce. If you're ready for all the tricks and tips because you know I'll spill the tea, head to annemaleski.com slash workshop to snag your seat for this free limited time workshop. Again, that's annemaleski.com slash workshop or just click the link in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there. So raise your hand if you've ever had a conversation with another teacher or a colleague or a parent or a friend, and you're trying to explain what you really do in your music classroom day in and day out. Have you ever really tried to use words to describe the types of experiences that you facilitate in your classroom? I'm willing to bet that you have and that you've also discovered that it's not super easy to put into words. It's actually something that is almost completely indescribable unless you've experienced yourself. So there's so much that goes into what we do as teacher musicians, and not a whole lot of it is easy. And I've been thinking about this a lot. So today on the Anacrusic Podcast, episode number 130, we're going to talk about the four hardest things about being a music teacher. I'm Maleski, and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actual steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. So one of the trickiest things about being a music teacher is exactly what I was talking about in the introduction to today's episode. It's all about like trying to get people to understand exactly what it is that we do, whether you have an administrator or a colleague or someone coming in to observe your classroom or just trying to get an idea of what actually goes on in the music classroom. And it's no secret to us how much thought goes into what we do. It's way beyond just quote unquote playing. It's much more purposeful, play inspired, beautifully sequenced lessons that we are really using to facilitate some authentic music making experiences for our kids so that they can learn to be lifelong musicians. And that's a beautiful phrase to say, But what does that actually mean, right? And it's hard to explain it to somebody if they haven't experienced it for themselves. And so I've often said that my best administrators, the people who really understood what I was doing inside of my music classroom, are those that either themselves experienced some really quality or exciting or comprehensive music education on their own, or they've had children who have done it and they feel closely tied to this style of learning. But 
regardless of whether or not folks understand what we're doing and the difficulties that we have in trying to portray exactly what happens inside of our classrooms, there's just some hard stuff to even get to that point. And so today on the podcast, I really want to sort of break down some of these barriers or some of these tricky things that we have to think about as music teachers. The first thing that makes being a music teacher a little or a lot tricky is knowing what to teach. I remember when I first started teaching music, I walked into the classroom that was about to be mine and I started to take a peek around at resources. And there in the classroom was a stack of very dated books that weren't necessarily within the last 30-ish years and a pile of old lesson plans that made it very apparent that the previous teacher had spent a lot of time sitting at the piano and playing while her children sang. Now, I think that singing and having a piano accompaniment to sing with your children is a really beautiful component of a music class, but I knew that that wasn't going to be the bulk of what I did in my music classroom. So coming in and not having had some summer trainings or levels or even a lot of experiences with workshops and not a lot of examples about what different types of music classrooms should look like, I really didn't know what I was going to teach. I didn't really know what songs other than those that I had grown up with and loved and facilitated a love of singing for me growing up to use in my classroom. I didn't really know what concepts to teach beyond like rhythm and melody, but I didn't have a very good idea of like what order they should go in, what I should start with, how should I I should approach it for my really, really early beginners. I didn't have any curriculum to base anything off of other than these songbooks that were collecting dust, and I just didn't really know where to start, what comes next, or just literally what to teach. And so a lot of that first year was just a ton of trial and error. And literally, I would go in, I would make my own manipulatives with Sharpie markers and cardstock. So I would go in and we would sing and I would try to teach some musical elements. I would try to teach some stuff about form and some stuff about rhythm and some stuff about melody. But I don't know if I really knew at that time that that's what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to find some extractable stuff to take out of what we were doing, making music so that we could apply it to other music making later on. And the funny thing is, is that was the little spark, the little seed planted for what my music classroom would look like now. But honest to goodness, those first couple of years was really trying to figure out what I was doing, to try to figure out what songs worked, what activities worked, to figure out what order things kind of worked. And it was a huge experiment to sort of get my footing for what I knew I would need in terms of a music curriculum, in terms of some sort of framework to operate on when I'm teaching kids music so that everything could have that purpose, so that everything could have that sequence, and so that everything could have that joy. And it was through finding some examples and taking some trainings and really starting to dive into different resources and different professional developments that I started to get more ideas for what it could look like, where I started to get more just hands-on experience of what a scope and sequence looks like, of what and why we do things the way that we do inside of music teaching. 
But in those early days or in those not so early days where you feel like you're just kind of swimming and you're just kind of filling time, it's really tricky. It's really difficult to know exactly what to teach. So that is definitely a number one, the hardest thing about being a music teacher. The second thing that is really tricky is knowing how to teach. You know, I came from an instrumentalist background. I am classically trained, whatever that means, quote unquote, in trumpet. And I played piano and I sang in children's choir when I was in middle school before I got more um, serious. Again, whatever that means. I mean, it means things, but about trumpet as I got into my, my older years, if you will. But a lot of my experience in the elementary classroom are just memories, are just memories of recorder and performances and the occasional old brass wagon circle game. But for the most part, I don't have a super vivid memory of what that looked like. And I don't have a super vivid memory about what it looked like on the day to day. And I surely don't have a vivid memory or even the beginnings to know how my music teacher sequenced things or what she did sort of behind the scenes to make some magic happen that eventually instilled this love of music in me. So when you think about knowing, well, how do you know how to teach? I think so many of us rely on, and not a good or bad way, but we rely on the ways that we were taught. And so for me, the most memorable experiences are playing in band, playing in orchestra, singing in a choir, taking piano lessons. And all of those things are beautiful and wonderful. And I had some pretty darn good experiences in all of those types of ensembles and private instruction. But those are very, very different than what happens inside of a general music classroom. Inside of what happens in an early childhood classroom when we're working with kids and they're using their voice and their bodies as their first instruments or using some elemental music to discover the way that the musical world works. And so knowing how to teach as an elementary music teacher is almost or as much of a baffling thing as knowing what to teach. Because although good teaching is good teaching, when you think about the nuts and bolts and the actual procedures and the way that you you facilitate a classroom in a predominantly singing classroom, in a predominantly elemental classroom, if you will, then you're talking about something completely different than working with teenagers on their instruments. And I think that that's an important thing to recognize, that it's tricky, it's hard. And so if you don't have examples or you don't have some resources to pull from, it makes it really, really hard. And so for me, knowing how to teach, knowing what media to teach with, if you will, really relied, again, on finding examples, finding examples of pedagogues and resources that use these different types of active music making, like singing and speech and instruments and body percussion and all those different ways that we can create in the general music classroom to help our kids really have an understanding of how their bodies can be the instrument and how this purposeful play and how this music creation can really facilitate all of the music learning that happens in our classroom without instruments, without having to do an ensemble, but instead just building out these really, really cool, creative, playful experiences. But knowing how to do that, again, is something that comes 
directly from trial and error, trying new things in your classroom, teaching or using your classroom rather as a laboratory, and then finding other teachers, finding other colleagues who have had some experience in the classroom, who have had some opportunities to try some new things and had a lot of success with the ways that they're bringing music to children and just seeing what they're doing and making a decision about whether or not that could work for you or simply making a decision about whether or not you can try that and see how you can adapt, see how you can adjust and see how you can make your own style of teaching from those examples that you've sought. So the first thing that's really tricky about being a music teacher is knowing what to teach. The second thing that's really tricky about being a music teacher is knowing how to teach. And the third thing, you know, once you have that whole what and how thing figured out, that's really tricky about being a music teacher is knowing when it's time to go on, knowing when we're going to to teach what. And this all comes down to assessment. And so truth be told, you know, if you haven't listened to all of the podcast episodes about assessment, now would be the time to click the big old pause button and move on back because we have had a lot of discussions about what assessment really is, what types of things or types of activities we mean when we talk about assessment. So make sure that you've had the opportunity to sort of review those conversations before listening to this next part of the podcast. Because knowing when it's time to go on means that you have a very clear understanding of what your goal is. And we're talking goals for a lesson. We're talking goals for a marking period. We're talking about goals for the year. And we're talking about overall curricular goals from the time that students enter your classroom till the time that they leave. And so knowing when to teach something, knowing when your students have mastered it, knowing when your students have the knowledge that they need to create and be independent musicians with whatever information you've been, you've been exploring in your classroom is a tricky thing. But it becomes incredibly clear when you have those parameters in place of your goal, when you have those parameters in place of your learning outcome or what you you hope for your students to be able to do that you hope to be able to observe by the time any given lesson is complete. Remember your first term of teaching? Learning all the skills that you don't get taught in music school? Managing a transitioning culture in your classroom? Finding out that you have to teach guitar this term? During those early years, we found out that leaning on a community of music educators was important, not only for building that knowledge in ourselves, but also maintaining enough sanity to serve the students right in front of us. Amused is a podcast centered around a community of music teachers. Between the four of us, we teach choir, band, orchestra, general, jazz, and marching band at the elementary through collegiate levels. We certainly don't have all the answers, but you're welcome to listen in while we try to find them. Join us while we work through the challenges of music teaching and celebrate the joy of bringing music making into the lives of young people. In each episode, you'll hear stories, both good and bad, about that week of teaching, and we'll try and tackle an issue that one of us is struggling with. Something we're all taught is that music brings people together, but being the only teacher in your subject at a site can be really isolating. We think everyone ought to be a part of a community, and you're welcome to come join ours. Episodes come out on Wednesdays during the school year, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at amusedcast.org. So if you haven't noticed a pattern yet, the first thing that's really hard is knowing what to teach. But once you figure out what song, what concepts, what curriculum, what all of those things are that you need to be teaching in your classroom, you can figure out how to teach them, which is the second tricky thing. So what you're teaching is going to imply 
how you teach, how students can feel most musical, most like independent musicians doing A, B, or C concept. And then once you know the what, once you know the how, you've already identified that learning outcome. You've already identified what's important, and now you know when it's time to move on to the next important piece, to the next mode of active music making, to the next type of creation that builds upon what you've done before and before that. So again, if you haven't noticed the pattern, there's a little bit of a sequence going on, but we want to know what to teach. We want to know how to teach. We want to know when to teach it. And then this probably could have been the first thing, but the fourth hardest thing about being a music teacher is remembering why you teach. And so I want to say that remembering why you teach is one of the things that can make all of this other stuff feel really, really easy, or at least feel simple. Because remembering why you teach, remembering that you got into music teaching not to fill time, not to take a paycheck, right, obviously, but because you are a musician, because music has touched your life in a way that you can't explain, like we talked about at the beginning of today's episode, that you can't put into words, that you have to experience for yourself. And the only way you know how to make that valid to others, the only way that you know how to get the point across that music is important is to build those experiences for others. And where's the best place to start? Well, at the very beginning. So we're going to start with children. We're going to start making meaningful musical experiences with our children because we hope that by building these active music making experiences, these things that give kids agency, these things that give kids choice and give them an understanding and experience with the musical language will help them to grow into lifelong musicians that you don't have to explain it to. And so maybe this shouldn't be number four. Maybe this should just be like the umbrella (laughs) to all of these. Because when you're trying to figure out what to teach, when you're trying to figure out how to teach, when you're trying to figure out when to teach what, it's most important to remember why you're doing it in the first place. Because these things are complicated. They're tricky. And so if you get really bogged down on the nuts and bolts of all the things that are happening inside of your classroom and P.S., all of the things that are happening outside of your classroom, hello 2020 and 2020, it's really hard to just say forget it. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're part of the Anacrusic community, that is not your jam. And that's not why you got into music teaching. And regardless of the challenges, be it this year or any year, once you have this figured out, once things just start to click, then you can really, really thrive in and relish in the reasons that you became a music teacher in the first place, the reason that you call yourself a teacher musician, the reason that you walk into your classroom each and every day knowing exactly what to teach, knowing exactly how to teach, and knowing exactly when to teach it. Now, if any of this resonates with you, I do just have to shamelessly say, if you have not registered for the free workshop series that's going down starting this week, y'all, make sure that you do that. Head to the link in the show notes or head to annemoleski.com slash workshop and sign up for one of four times to join me because all of this stuff that we talked about today is exactly what we're going to talk about in this weekend's workshop. And I can't wait to see you there. 
The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcast.com. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacoustic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode is live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacoustic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.